Thanks for joining us. Today I'll be talking to Malachi Price, my teammate here at Builder Funnel. And tell me, Mal, what is your experience with technical SEO? Well, um, not a huge fan. As far as SEO goes, it's probably my least favorite part of SEO, and most people in our industry would probably agree. However, you're kind of an odd one out in that you kind of like it for some reason. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, technical SEO and I have a strong love-hate relationship for sure, because there are days when I go in and optimize content and can start seeing tangible results from all of the changes that I made. But there are a lot more days when I'm left staring down an elephant of technical SEO issues that seem to be never ending. For example, a couple months ago, I ran some SEO audits for a client who had two websites. And one had a good report, but the other report was so terrifying with literally 95% of their website URLs having errors. That was 11,000 of them. And that's one of the reasons I want to talk about common technical SEO mistakes made by home builders and remodelers. Most of them are easily avoidable if you just know what to look out for and what to do. Okay, so what do you see is the most common issue on contractor websites? It's the images, no doubt. Guys, your beautiful bathroomy models and your custom cabinetry images are killing your SEO. But don't go and remove all the images from your site just yet because it's not the image content that's the problem. It's the sizing and the naming of your images that's causing the issues. The typical home builder and remodeler website has hundreds, if not thousands, of beautiful images of their projects. These are amazing for branding and to engage users. If, if they're looking at your team aesthetic and trying to determine what types of projects that you do, but they can also be the primary sand pit of your website page's SEO potential. Why is that? It's, it's a data file. So... Images are assets on your website pages, and they appear because they're just their data, like computers can process. So they're affected by the count of pixels per inch, the timestamp information, your camera information, and more just data that's behind the actual content of your image. So the more of this information in your asset, the larger it is. And the larger it is, the heavier the asset is on your website, and the longer it takes for the page to load which decreases user experience and decreases your SEO potential. You can think of it like a file cabinet, one drawer for each page on your website and one manila file for each asset on your page. When a search engine like Google goes to grab all of the information from a particular file cabinet to serve it to the user, it's a lot faster when simple files are being pulled and sorted through smaller files. Search engines like to be able to render a page in under three seconds to improve user experience, which is one of their, their goals. And so they want to send users to content that is helpful and loads quickly and overall provides them with that positive user experience. I mean, I know I've seen plenty of contractor websites that take just way too long to load. And I know that oftentimes people will just leave the website if it doesn't load quickly enough. I know I would. Oh, that's 127% true. According to recent data from Think with Google, 40 to 50% of users abandon a page if it doesn't load under three seconds. And that jumps by 90% if the page does not load in under five seconds. Abandonment rates are typically higher on mobile devices as well. And so that's something you have to be really aware of in 2020 and moving forward, as most people are doing research on their smartphones. 
that makes a lot of sense. So it's the images that are often slowing down our page load speed. Uh, so where can I find out how quickly my pages are loading? Sure. Great question. And to clarify, it's not always just your images that will slow down your loading speed. But for a home builder and home remodeler site that is full of images, it's typically the number one cause. So to answer your actual question, gtmetrics.com is a great tool for assessing page loading times. And it'll give you a breakdown also of what's causing your page to load at what speeds so that you can fix it or you can send it to someone else to fix it as well. Cool. So how big should my images be? So images should be sized to be less than 100 kilobytes large. So that's 100 KB. Often when you get your images from your professional photographers, they're in the megabytes, MBs. So they'll be like 3 MB or 4 MB or sometimes even bigger. And to get them to be 100 KB, there's a lot of things that you should do before you upload it to your website. So. If you have an image that you want to be full screen on your site, you should go into an editing software, something as simple as paint and just resize your image. You can change the width to be between 1200 and 1400 pixels wide, and that'll cover most screens that are normal computer monitors. If it's gonna be half of a page, for example, like a two column website page, 600 pixels wide is perfectly adequate. And if it's gonna be three column or four column, 300 to 400 pixels wide will be the best option. After you resize your images, there's another step though, because you're going to compress them. And this helps take all of that extra data out that we talked about a little bit earlier. And it scrapes that off of your image and it keeps it just to the bare necessities of what your image is actually conveying. So some good tools for this are tinypng.com, I love image.com. Those are really great resources that I use on a daily basis. And I know you do too. Very often. So once I have my images so that they're about 1200 pixels or smaller, depending on where they're going on the page. Um, and I have them so that they're a hundred kilobytes or smaller. Um, I'm good to go, right? Almost in terms of image sizing. Yes. But as related to your images, there's still one more really important thing that you have to do before you upload it to your website. And that is your alt text and your title text. Alt text is short for alternative text, and it's basically how search engine crawlers read and see the image to know what it's conveying. Alt text was originally developed so that screen readers could help those who are visually impaired and have something to read out when it came across an image on a page. They serve a dual purpose now, though, in that the alt text can increase your ranking potential for related searches since crawlers see the alt text as content on the page. Not taking the time to rename the images and include image alt text is probably the number one missed opportunity to target location and service-based keywords and key phrases with the images on your website. So when you upload an image to your website after already renaming it, be sure to set the alt text to be even more descriptive explanation of what the image is. This way, if the image does not load, the alt text will display on the page and users will know what type of image was supposed to display. The alt text doesn't have to be much, just something that describes the picture, includes your target service location, and includes the service type, and that'll help improve your technical SEO. For example, if you have an image of a living room, don't leave the alt text blank or saying something like IMG underscore 
0074 or anything like that. But write instead, spacious remodeled living room in Annapolis by, and then put your company name. That'll help you appear in Google Images and it'll help your pages rank better. Okay, so it seems like the most common issues associated with technical SEO are related to alt text and image sizing. But I'm sure there are a couple other things to worry about here too. Yeah, there's definitely more to worry about. So let's talk about two more. Again, this is not an extensive list, an overview. It's just the top priorities that I want you to focus on starting today. And so that includes heading structure. And this one is really, really, really easy to avoid too. Okay, easy is good, um, but what is heading structure? Heading structure is like the titles on your website page and then the sub-bullet points underneath that. So when you think of headings, the most obvious example is often at the top of the page or like the title of your blogs. These are the H1s, also known as header ones, and all of the subheadings beneath it are the H2s, the H3s, the H4s, and the paragraph text, so on and so forth. It's hard to visualize, so be sure to check out the examples in our show notes below, but it's nothing you have to overcomplicate. Heading structure is related to the text and headings on your pages. They're like the bones of your website page's content, and the paragraph text is the meat. In the HTML script of your website pages, these are the H1s, the H2s, the H3s, and the Ps. So if I'm understanding correctly, there are kind of two different kinds of text. There are the headers, and then there's the actual paragraph text. So how do you understand the difference between the two? Sure. Most website builders have a heading structure drop-down option when adding content to a page, kind of like when you're formatting in a Word document. But, and hear me on this, heading structure is not text formatting. If you want to make text bigger or bolder, don't just change it to make it a header. But even though they're usually bigger, you need to make sure you're just styling it instead of setting it as a header. Instead of using a header to make it look bigger, bolder, brighter, or whatever, use styling options to make those styling changes. And you can refer to some of the examples in the show notes below for this as well. Okay, so headings are for structure, not styling. Got it. Correct. And I'm going to link to some examples and best practices below, but some common errors I see with heading structure are having more than H1, H1 per page. You can avoid this mistake by always using only one heading one H1 tag per page for the main topic or title only. And the second I see is using headings for styling and text size. You can avoid this mistake by using style settings, not heading structures options, and keeping headings in a descending order. Well, that sounds like a lot to worry about, but is my website going to show up better on Google if I do these things? I know it feels overwhelming, but it's not so bad when you're doing it as you go. It feels worse when you leave it all to one time and you have to sit down and do it for hundreds of images and dozens of blogs at one time. And yes, it does help your SEO. One client that we did a three-month website optimization project for has the data to prove it. Beforehand, they were getting less than 25 sessions per month from organic searches, meaning they really weren't ranking in search engines at all. After implementing our entire plan, which included specific image optimization and um, working on their key pages for heading structure, they are now getting over 400 sessions per month in organic sessions, meaning they're ranking for just that much more, which is now also 54% of their overall non-paid traffic. 
these gains cannot all be attributed to the image sizing and the alt-text and just in general changing the heading structure. But if you refer to what we talked about last week, how, how each type of SEO is interconnected, it definitely played a huge role. Right. So technical SEO kind of acts as a foundation for your non-technical SEO, which then bolsters your local SEO. Are there any other things that we can worry about in terms of technical SEO on our websites? One of the other biggies is related to URLs, specifically 404 errors and 301 redirects. Okay. Yeah. Often we're asked to change URLs and I guess that does matter, doesn't it? It does. URLs are the backbone of your website. It's your content's address, which search engines and internet sources need, and they use that to direct users to your content. What you have to watch for with URLs is if you do change a URL, that you implement a 301 redirect, and only changing URLs if you absolutely have to. Okay, so what's a 301 redirect then? Essentially, a 301 redirect is like a mail forwarding address that you submit with the U.S. Postal Service when you move houses or move your business location. A 301 tells search engines, hey there, this content's actually at this URL now and points them on their merry way. As long as you do this, you'll avoid having 404 errors, which are one of the larger penalties your site can incur from search engines. So it's really important to resolve any 404 errors that you may have. Now, that is a severely simplified explanation of URLs, and there is so much more and so many other things to consider. So if you have any specific questions, be sure to comment below. Image size, missing alt text, heading structure, and 404 errors are just four common mistakes that we often see and that are very easily avoidable. If you want to increase your search engine ranking potential, then starting today, be sure anyone uploading content to your website implements best practices. It will keep the molehill from growing into a mountain and make everyone's lives just that much happier. Well, thanks for the tips, Danielle. I'm Mal. And I'm Danielle. We're here to help you remodel your SEO, get you found, and get you leads. Next Thursday, we'll dig into a highly debated topic in 2020, whether or not keywords actually matter anymore. Catch you next time.